Hello, and welcome to Read Between the Tech, the podcast that explores how companies can have richer and strategic conversations about the future of their current technology. Whether you're a tech enthusiast, business leader, or simply interested in the impact of technology in a company's growth, this podcast will have something for you. So join us on this journey as we read between the tech and uncover the real stories behind your organization's technology and its future success. Let's listen in on this episode. Welcome back to our podcast and thank you for joining again. I'm here this afternoon or this morning with my friend, Alan, and we'll let Alan do a quick intro of himself and we'll hear some really interesting stories about housing technology and and change over time. So Alan, thank you for joining. Uh, this is Alan Carson from Carson Dunlop, and I'll give you a minute to share a bit of background on you and what brought you to today. All right, Eric, thanks so much. Yeah, we were foolish enough to start a home inspection company back in 1978 before home inspection was a thing. We have had an interesting journey over the last 45 years. What started out as a couple of guys doing home inspections in Toronto has become a, a larger home inspection business and has become a commercial inspection business as well. And then on the uh, education side, we have built a post-secondary level 10 course uh, education program that is delivered online. And we have also migrated from figuring out how to write reports in, in Word with a memory typewriter back in uh, 1978 to using a, a technology-based solution that we have evolved into a, a piece of software that is used by uh, home inspectors across North America. And I suspect when you were doing this back in 78, you actually had the carbon sheet just slid in between the typewriter. And I bet exactly. you most of the audience won't know what those carbon sheets are. How else would you uh, get a copy of it? Got to do it that way. And, and the evolution, strangely enough, was to a three-ring binder with three-part NCR forms for each uh, section of the, uh, the house. So, uh, yeah, it used to be uh, fiddling about with uh, 13 pages of uh, NCRs ripped out of uh, a binder when you're writing your reports. Yeah, the world has changed a little bit, safe to say. Takes me right back to my automotive experience as a young adult and the writing work orders on an IBM typewriter, multi-part forms and carbon copies and your fingers are always black. So what, what keeps you busy outside of work? So I know you're very busy. You got a large business you're running. What keeps you busy outside of work with something kind of fun and interesting the audience can get to know about you? I, I've got five, five great kids that are all young adults now. I've got a couple of grandchildren and as your kids get older and you think, I'm not going to have to do that stuff anymore. The, the chores just change in nature a little bit. Not so much building toys the night before Christmas, but helping to build sheds and construct things in backyards. So that's been the evolution. We're lucky enough to have a cottage a couple hours north of the city, and we all spend as much time as we can out there. Luckily, five kids all live in the city. We spend a lot of family time together, a lot of water sports, a lot of activity, great bicycling up there. Yeah, I love the outdoors, despite the fact I spend most of my life indoors. And so getting us back to housing. So 1978, I don't suspect home inspections were a big thing then. I don't know that the construction standards were the same from an electrical plumbing HVAC that we see today. How, what was the inception or why would you start to inspect homes and how did you convince people that this is something important that they needed? I've never had an original idea in my life. So this was something that we copied from uh, someone that was just getting started in the Southeastern United States down south of Washington, DC. And it was a business consultant, a construction consultant, fascinating guy. 
and he was doing some consulting work up here and we had attended some sessions, got talking to him and he said, I think this is the next big thing, home inspection. So no one was doing it in Canada. We did a bit more research and found out in Great Britain, they've been doing it for 200 years and they have the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors. And the way that we, we thought about it and the way we talked to people about it, so it wasn't a sales and marketing problem. It was an education problem to say, here's a service that you don't know you need, but you really do. And the simple message was, if you were going to buy a used car, would you take it to a mechanic to get it checked? And most people would say, of course. And I would say, so now you're going to buy a house that is worth 50 to a hundred times as much, and you're not going to check it out. And that was the story. And it's, it was a fairly compelling argument as it turned out. And, and people saw the logic other than real estate agents in the early days took very much a, a real estate ain't broke, don't fix it approach to home inspection. Why would we need that? We've been selling houses forever up here without uh, a home inspection. But in fairness, a lot of the early adopters uh, were the, the real estate community that, that saw the value and saw the wisdom and those interested in building a portfolio, building a, a business around the real estate transactions, taking care of their clients, saw this as a great addition to their service. And then that's really been a bit of a springboard. Yeah, the, the profession has emerged. There are lots of associations now. Our education program is taught at most of the community colleges in Ontario and so on. So it's been a... It's been a fun ride over uh, 45 years of seeing something come from somebody else's germ of an idea into our reality. It, it's also interesting how you can take the concept of disruption in education and apply that in almost any industry. As I think to back to virtualization, to cloud computing, to now software as a service, every iteration of that has also had disruption in education and it's okay, you, you had 20 servers in your office costing you hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to you can pay $29.99 per user per month. Why do you want those servers? Why do you want to have redundant power? Why do you want all this risk? So very similar disruption in education, almost industry agnostic. So interesting here, that's how it started. And then you told us a bit about becoming an education business. I think that's building your industry and making your industry something that everyone can trust. How do you go from that to a technology business now where you're reselling software and supporting home inspectors across North America? As you say, it's been an interesting evolution. When we started on the education side, I was teaching two-week classes and bringing people into our offices in Midtown Toronto. And we would teach 25 or 30 people over a, a two-week period. I found it exhausting. We would work eight to 10 hours a day for 10 days. And the students would find it exhausting. And inevitably at the end of the two weeks, there was a mutual dissatisfaction. And by that, I felt like I'd only scraped the surface of what you really needed to know to be a successful professional in this business. And they realized that they had seen the vestibule, but not the whole building yet. And so they had a desire for more. At the same time, it became clear to me that classroom education for a small business was not a scalable thing. And it was that problem that turned my attention to looking at a technology solution for education. And so we started to explore learning management systems, which were in the early days back then, mostly used by universities, the blackboards and web CTs of the world. 
And that, that business in and of itself from a technology standpoint has exploded in mushroom and there are all kinds of options around that now. So we were in the early days of saying, we need to make this, it needs to be a bigger, broader course. So now uh, it is 10 courses post-secondary, but delivered digitally and delivered online with the ability to have interaction and to leverage the technology. And it gave us the ability to create an app that people can have on their phone that is really an apprenticeship program that is in your back pocket. And it's also your mentor looking over your shoulder when you're in the field, when you see something that you're not familiar with, you can go into this app, you can see what it is, how it works, what are the typical problems I should be looking for and what should I tell the client about them? The technology is leveraged everything that we thought about doing in the early days and in some ways has gotten ahead of us and, and is more clever. And, and as you move towards uh, AI and machine learning, that apprenticeship program that we had as an app, now we are exploring, can you actually walk people through houses and have them learn by doing, which is a great way for adults to learn in a lot of cases, instead of the passive book learning and so on. When you think of every other profession, I've got a daughter in, in med school. It's surprising how little time they spend in class and how much the time they spend actually in case studies, in labs, in, in the actual hospital. So that real world experience is facilitated now through virtual reality. And we are just at the cusp of, of changing the world and disrupting how home inspectors get trained to migrate what has been a great kind of online experience into what becomes much closer to a real world experience where people can go through houses and it can be educational and directed by an instructor. It can be self-taught. It can also be a learning assessment tool. So you can test people and say, okay, you go through this house. Tell me what, tell me what you find. What would you tell your clients? So that scalability and the power and the explosion of technology to facilitate transfer of knowledge is probably the most exciting thing in my world right now. Yeah, we've seen a lot of AR, VR, uh, augmented and virtual reality in the education world. We're selling headsets devices, both HoloLens and MetaQuest to universities right across North America. They're changing engineering education. They're changing architecture education. We're seeing it in electrical, mechanical home building to teach people what to do, how to do it, to teach them dangerous situations. As you think to inspection, you mentioned a bit about AR, VR changing how your inspectors will get trained. Have you looked at the field uses of that while someone's inspecting, having the master in the middle, we've seen that in the electrical space at some of the hydro companies and how do yeah. you think that changes your ability to control the outcome or provide better outcomes and educate people better with a, a master in the middle. Is that something you're thinking through or? Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen some fascinating examples done. Interestingly enough, in the elevator service business, they have some pretty cool examples of that. It really makes terrific sense for early practitioners. Home inspectors are unlike doctors in that a doctor works typically in a large environment surrounded by colleagues and peers. A home inspector is on their own without any resources and without uh, immediate support. So this new tool provides an incredible level of support and reassurance. 
you can go beyond that. And there are some of my colleagues uh, that are pushing to say, can we actually do it without the home inspector being in the home physically and have people using uh, mobile devices? And we're actually exploring with some partners on starting off with baby steps in terms of saying, someone's got a problem in their house. They get on, we have, we're working with a piece of software that is like FaceTime, Zoom, like Teams, but a little more interactive and ability to mark stuff up and so on. So someone in a home talking through a problem with an expert who is remote and being able to show them and the expert can direct and say, can you move over here? Can you show me that? Can you tell me? So you get the, the benefit of seeing what the problem is, hearing the experience from the whole. And so the remote diagnostics are, a, are an interesting additional layer to what we're doing now. So could that be migrated to become uh, a virtual home inspection? Interesting question. Old dog, new tricks. It's hard for me to sometimes get my head around the possibilities and where the world is going, but the benefit of having five young kids is they try to keep me from falling off the cliff. Keep you young. And I'd suggest you've disrupted more than you give yourself credit for. And this is something, again, it's aspirational. I think it's something that all of our audience can listen to. You took your business that was very much a services business and an education business, not necessarily scalable without adding more humans. And you added in a software component that you're able to, to now resell in a software component that's enabling other people to have the same kind of checklist manifesto or checklist style approach to home inspections. How, what caused you to take that jump off the cliff? Because it's a hard jump and it's a hard transition. And I think that's where, when I talk to business leaders about where their business will be in three, five, 10 years, they're often afraid to make that jump, but they hesitate and say, oh, it's a big risk or I'm concerned. I don't know how to do it. So what were, what made you comfortable or what made you uncomfortable enough that you had to do it? I'd love to say I was a genius and a pioneer, but that might be a bit of a stretch. And what had happened was we had created a report writing system that was paper-based and I was amazed at the uptake on it. And back in the eighties and nineties, we were selling I mean, I, I thought of ourselves as a home inspection business and we were selling a million dollars worth of paper-based report writing systems. And then comes the late nineties and one of the engineers in our office is playing around with the internet. And then some of the home inspection service providers started coming out with floppy disks where you could buy a, a program. And I thought, that's a terrible business model. A floppy disk, first of all, it's a one-time sale, so there's no recurring revenue. It doesn't really make any sense. It's the direction the world is going, but it just felt like taking the typewriter and putting it into a computer. It was really primitive and really all typically word-based or word-perfect-based documents. And I thought, if I'm going to make a jump from a paper-based reporting system into technology, that's not the way to, to go. And it was pretty clear to me that the world was going to change and that paper was going away. So the software as a service was not a phrase back in the year 2000. Um, but in 2001, I had messed around enough that I wrote an RFI for somebody saying, I want software developed, not that lives on a desk, but lives on the web. And I don't want people to buy it. I want people to subscribe to it. And I also have, because we had been doing the education and this was a bonus for us, because we had created this education program in the nineties, 
there was so much data available and we had done tons of work creating illustrations. We had about 1,700 illustrations done by technical people, but with lay people in mind as the audience. And we were able to leverage the education side and put it into the software. And the added benefit was we were able to create a discipline around home inspection that helped people do the right thing. We built in items that said, hey, if you do this, don't forget to do that. Hey, here are the things you haven't included in this report yet. Is there a reason you have not? So we built in some quality assurance tools, coaching tools, education tools to help everyone do a better job because home inspection looks easy on the outside, sounds easy on the surface. It's a hugely complex task. And there's that the human relation side of it, dealing with the client while you're doing the inspection. But at the same time, home inspectors are making thousands of uh, data collection points and analysis and decisions as they're going through. And so a way to record that and help keep people on track is, is pretty valuable. We didn't do it because we were trying to create new territory. I did it out of fear, quite frankly, because I saw the world was moving and I just didn't, I didn't want to take a baby step. I said, if I'm going to do this, let's try and get ahead of the curve because you're going to take a step off the cliff. You may as well take as big a step as you can. So that was our thinking. And on a tight budget, we bit off a little more than we could chew. And it took us until 2001, I wrote the RFI. We went through three development teams before we found one that could get a product across the finish line in late 2004. And then the good news is we're updating and completely rebuilding the product now. But the first report that was ever created in late 2004, still available in that legacy software, still working. Whatever we did in the garage, now that I look back on it, it really was a garage band approach. But I was lucky to have uh, a team that, that had some pretty, pretty solid skills. Yeah. And I, I think the garage band to the iterative approach is always one that's very important. And the, the minimum viable product concept of get us started and then iterate helps businesses make that jump. Last question before we wrap up and close out, you mentioned AI and AI is the hot topic in all of technology right now. How are you seeing, or what, what are a couple of things you're seeing as a business leader who's shifted their models? What parts of your business do you think AI impacts? It's interesting because AI seems to have a large role in, in what I might call written communication to be a little anachronistic about it. Education programs, writing, writing blogs, writing updates. And I would say that when it comes to, and, and even writing technical reports, home inspection reports, there are very few home inspectors who are, have a lot of training in technical writing. So the AI, even at that, what I would call fairly low level AI of being able to create logical documents and search huge volumes of information and collect and assimilate. I wouldn't say that it's an end game yet. I would say that it provides a strong starting point. And it also overcomes the blank page fear that a lot of people have when it comes to, to creating or writing. That to me is, is probably a subset of the possibilities of AI, but it's one that's particularly relevant to our world today. Okay. So as a wrap up, I always ask everyone, what's your favorite uh, book, podcast, or audio book you'd recommend to people? I am a huge Walter Isaacson fan. 
And whether he's writing about Steve Jobs or right now I'm most of the way through The Innovators, a book that he's written. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, to reading this new book that is out that I have not yet. I have read a biography of Elon Musk and I've gone from being an admirer and a fan to a bit of a doubting Thomas on Elon Musk, but I'm keen to see Walter Isaacson's read. Yeah, I, I'm not much on fiction, but I do, I do appreciate a well-written biography. And to me, Walter Isaacson's a master of that. Excellent. Thank you. And then where can people find you? We live at a funny little website called CarsonDunlop.com. Not very fancy, not very complicated, but it's just, yeah, CarsonDunlop.com. All right. Amazing. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate your perspective on housing, technology, and businesses as they change and more. And it's always great to catch up with you and we'll talk soon. Eric, thanks so much. Have a great one. And that's all the time we've got for today's episode of Read Between the Tech. We hope you enjoyed listening and learned something new about how technology can help shape the success of your organization. Don't forget to subscribe to our monthly newsletter and get insightful IT resources, tips, insights, exclusive Microsoft offers, and much more right to your inbox. Visit www.proservit.com slash newsletter dash sign dash up to join the ProServIT community. Follow us on LinkedIn and Substack to stay up to date with our podcasts and visit our website at www.prosurevit.com for more information about how to unlock your company's digital future. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. So feel free to leave us a comment or contact us on LinkedIn at ProSurveIT with your feedback and ideas for future episodes. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time on Read Between the Tech.